that you're here. We are in a series called Legacy. Um, we're wrapping it up today in part three, and uh, I, I hopefully this is going to be, this has been one of my, my, my ones that I've been most excited about preparing for as a, this week as I was writing it and getting it ready. I'm so excited for where we're going. Today's message I'm calling, I see a church. I see a church, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you a little bit of some things that I, I believe for our church of what I see and where we're going and what God wants us to do. Um, this series is, is a lot about vision, about the vision God has for our lives individually, the vision God has for our house corporately, um, but, it, but it's also more than that. It's about legacy, and so let me give you a working definition of legacy. We've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, but I'll let you fill it in one last time as we close out this series. Here's what legacy is. Legacy is the future without you influenced by you. Everybody say that with me. Legacy is the still, still influenced by you. That, that one day there's going to there's come, a, come, a, come a time where you die and I die. And, and really, what is it that are, people are going to talk about? What are they going to say about us? That, that's our legacy. And that everyone in here leaves a legacy. You're going to leave one whether you, you want to or not. And so we've just said, hey, listen, let's just make sure that we leave a legacy that our kids and our grandkids are proud of. Uh, make sure that we are investing our time, our energy, and our resources in the best places that we possibly can. And so I want to start today in a, in a very popular book. I'm sure everybody probably read uh, in some of this book this week, Habakkuk. We're going to go to Habakkuk. <laughs> um, sounds like you've got to spit when you say it. <clears throat> Habakkuk chapter 2. Uh, this is where we're going to start today. And uh, look, look a little bit about vision, and then we're going to transition into what I think fuels vision. And it says this, write the vision Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Now, let me just say this. It's very, very important. And I'll just start today off with whatever you feel like God's called you to do, whatever dreams that you feel like God puts in your heart, to write those things down. Uh, yesterday afternoon, my, uh, I was flying back from South Dakota with Pastor Bubba, and I got a text message from my wife. And I pulled it open, it was an image, and it was an image of her planner. So my wife gets a planner every year um, for the next year, and you know, that's how we coordinate our schedules and calendars. And so inside of her planner, she's got a thing called dreams. And so in 2018, she had written down on a piece of paper um, just a number of dreams that she had for 2019, things that she would like to do. And so she was sending to me with this big emoji because she was excited because of the 10 or 12 things that she had on the dream list of things that she wanted to do. She accomplished all of them this year already uh, in November. And so it was really exciting. I, I was like, hey, let's do this again. So her and I are going to sit down uh, in the coming month and, and start writing down things that we want to see for 2020. But I'm going to tell you, it's really important for you to write things down. And, and if I could just give you some homework at some point before the end of the year, write down things that you want to see for 2020. Uh, write down the dreams and visions. And listen, make them big. Make them big. Make, make big dreams and big visions. But it says write it down. Make it plain so the people who run... Can, uh, who read it can run, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. If there's an appointed time, it hastens to the end. It will not lie. Now watch this. If it seems slow, how many of you just have, have, have maybe some prayer requests that, that are still like on AOL speed? Like they just, <laughs> come on, anybody in here? Like it's just, it's taking a while on that thing. It's, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't just seem slow. It is slow. Anybody in here? Like it is slow. It, there's some, some things that you're believing for that just seem slow, but watch what, watch what the answer is. If it seems slow, what does it say? Wait for it. Wait for it. How many in here, your kids, they hate waiting? They always want to know when you're going to hurry up and get there. Okay, let's be honest. How many of you hate waiting? That's all, that, that's all I am. 
I, 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 I hate waiting. Uh, I, I'll tell you what seems slow, people who drive. Um, <laughs> pet peeves, slow driver, anybody? Okay, all right. Come on, all the fast people unite. Okay. So uh, Pastor Bubba and I were driving from North Dakota down to South Dakota this past week for a trip, and uh, we're passing through a little, a little community, and, and, and he, he looks at me and goes, man, a guy, you might want to slow down. This is one of those small communities. And not 30 seconds later, I hear, whoop, whoop, whoop. I was like, what? Y'all ever had that when you see those lights and your heart drops? Or goes up? I don't know which way it goes. It's, it's like, is that me? Well, I knew it was me because nobody's in South Dakota. It's literally just us. We didn't see a car for hours. And so the cop pulls me over, and, um, and he's like, man of God, how fast were you going? I was like, ah, fast. And so... Um, and so, so the cop comes up, he's got a little cop stash, you know, and all that. And uh, he's like, hey, he was like super friendly. Hey, how you doing? Oh, we're good, we're good. Um, he's like, uh, I need to see your license and registration. I was like, well, this is a rental car. He's like, yeah, that's fine, no problem. You know, and then, and then he looks at my driver's license. He's like, oh, y'all aren't from here. I was like, no, sir, you know, out of state. You know, we didn't know the rules. And so, <laughs> you know, thought this was South Dakota, you can drive however fast you want. And so, so he goes back to the car, he's doing all the, you know, all of what he does. And, uh, and so you got to know something. That Pastor Bob and I have this kind of running joke because when I get pulled over, I get tickets. When Pastor Bubba gets pulled over, he gets warnings. Miss Tracy can tell you about this. Like literally, people will go be like, oh, have a blessed day, Pastor Bubba. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> so, so I told him, I was like, you better start praying. You need to start praying for me right now. And no lie, the cop comes up to me and he says, I'm just going to give you a warning. Y'all just go ahead. I know you're not from here. Go on, pass on by. <laughs> After I kissed Pastor Bubba, I uh, <laughs> said, good, the church doesn't have to pay for a ticket. And so, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Um, so anyways, it, it, it seems slow. You got to wait for it, for it surely will come. It will not delay. Now, there's something you need to know about God and the way that his timing is, is God's timing is perfect. It's always perfect. It's always been perfect. Here's the issue, though, is that his timing is not our timing. So his perfect timing is not always at the same time when I want it to be. Because how many know when I pray, like, I expect it to be, like, you know, instantaneous. Like, I pray and tomorrow it shows up. Like, I pray and tomorrow it happens. And that's why Paul was always telling them, don't be discouraged when you have to wait. You, you may have to wait because God's doing something. So here's what I know. If you've ever been, like, in an airport and your flight got delayed, uh, man, there's nothing more frustrating than a, than a delayed flight. Anytime there's a delay in what God is doing in your life, I need you to hear me on this. It's not a delay because of, because usually... Um, because it's something's wrong with God, it's usually a delay because God's doing something you don't know about. He's doing something. Delays are not denials. Delays are often just God's doing something, and he needs to either get you ready for it or get somebody else ready for it or get the situation ready for it. Because how many know when you're praying, God's doing 10,000 other things to answer your one prayer? And so, hey, listen, we want minute rice. Let's hurry up and get it done. But our God is his timing is perfect. And so here's what the scripture is telling us. I know you got vision for your life. I know that God's got something for you. But there may be a season where you're going to have to wait. And you just need to wait because here's what you need to know. God will never delay. He's going to see it come to pass. But it may seem like a delay in your mind, but it's not a delay. It's not a delay. 
And so you're made in the image of God. You've got a vision for your life. There's a purpose on your life. And, 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 and so that's what this series has been about, about vision and about purpose. Now, I, I titled today's message, I See a Church. I see a church. Now, when I say I see a church, oftentimes people think, well, you see buildings? No, no, no. I, I don't see buildings. I see, I see people. Because, I mean, you know, Jesus didn't die for drywall. He died for dry bones. He died for people. He died for us. He died. I mean, you know, we are the church. Come on, everybody say that. We say, we are the church. Come on, look at somebody next to you. Go, we are the church. Okay. Now, look at that person you didn't want to look at that's in your family now, and you say, you're part of my family too. Okay, so we are the church, and, and, and my, my heart for us as a church is that we wouldn't just be in the church, but we would become the church. We wouldn't just attend church, but that we would become and be what God has called us to be, that we would be the church that he wants us to be, that we would have a vision that God has for us. Now, here, here's what I want you to do, and you can just, I don't think this is in your notes, but... Um, you can write this off to the side. Vision is the steering wheel, but faith is the engine. Vision is the steering wheel. God's got a vision, a destination, a purpose of what he's doing, but usually the destination is not really what God's after. He's, he's after the process, the, the journey of where we're going. That, that faith is, is the engine. It's, it's, what, it's what gets us going to where God wants us to go. And so I want it today um, kind of, Park in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to spend the majority of our time in Hebrews chapter 11 because I think this is a house of faith. We are a house of faith. Our, our, our faith is what drives us. Our faith is what encourages us. Our faith is what keeps us going. And so it doesn't matter if you have the greatest vision. If you have no faith, nothing happens. And so I want to talk about what, is it, what does it mean to have faith. So look, let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read out the Passion's translation. Uh, I'm going to read out a couple different translations you'll see in just a minute. But we'll start in the Passion. It says this. I love how it brings this verse to a different reality. It says, now, everybody help me with these blue words. Now, faith brings our hopes into and becomes the needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality. Now, here's where I want to stop here and make sure that we're very clear on the difference between hope and faith, hoping for something and faith. There's a lot of us in here that are hoping for something. We can, we can hope all day. I hope tomorrow's good weather. I hope there's no traffic. I hope LSU wins. Come on, go Tigers. And so uh, <laughs> what we need to hope for is the Saints to win. Okay, so uh, we can hope for those things because those, those things are found in circumstantial. Faith, though, is not what you're believing for. Faith is what you're believing in. So, so faith has substance. Faith has a foundation. Hope is just like, oh, I just hope it works out. I hope I, hope I have a good day. I mean, no, you don't have to hope you have a good day. You can have faith and believe that you're going to have a, a day that honors God no matter what goes on. Because your faith is firmly founded on something of substance. That's why when you get a diagnosis from a doctor, you, go, you can't just go, well, I just hope it all works out. No, 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 no. Uh, no. God is a healer, and I believe it, and I have faith to believe that he can heal any situation. That's my foundation. Are, are y'all with me? Like there's a foundation that, it, that you're rooted in, that you stand on, that, that I, I stand today and say, you know what, our best days are ahead. No, I just, I hope our days are best. No, no, no. Your best days are ahead because God is ahead of these days and he's in those days and this is the best. 
I'm preaching way better than this church is responding, okay? So, and I don't normally, I'm a teacher, okay? So it got me fired up already. So it says, faith brings our hope into reality, and it is the foundation needed. And I'm going to tell you, that's, that's how this church was birthed. That's how your, your Christianity was birthed on faith. Everything starts with faith. Think about how crazy it is what we believe. You believe in a God you've never seen. Can we just like step out of like Christianity circle and mindset and think of people that are not saved and they come into a church like this and you're thinking, okay, you're singing and praying to someone you've never seen. You know what that requires? Faith. You're believing and praying for things that you don't know if it's going to come to pass or not. You know what that requires? It requires faith. But all of us have faith. You have, listen, you have faith in something right now. You go, well, I don't believe in that. No, no. You believe in something. You have faith in something. You either have faith in God or you have faith in your own mind, but you've got faith. And I can prove it to you because you sat in that chair. Like none of y'all pull that chair out, check the bolts, make sure it's all good, and then go, okay, we're good. Let, let me sit. No, no, listen. You know what you did? Bagoo. <laughs> Why? Because you have faith that it's going to hold you up. We, we, we serve a God that we have faith in. We know that God is working. Now, have we experienced him? Have we felt him? Absolutely. But have you seen him? No. That's why he says, what is still unseen. I mean, think about that. It, it's, it's crazy in this. And so uh, this is where we're going, and this is where we've been as a church. I remember five years ago when we, when we planted Crowley. That was a big faith move because we were maybe 250 people or so. And we were planning a third campus. I mean, it's just craziness when you start really thinking about, man, we only, we have a small group of people here. We're going to go plant a third campus. So we plant a third campus over there. And, and I remember sitting in, in my living room with leaders where we had 250. It shrunk down when Crowley went because some people went there. And so, you know, we're 200 people or so. And we're praying. And, and I don't remember, some, some are in here, are in this room. We're, we would sit and pray about what our church would be, believing and, and dreaming of what what our church could be. And, and at that time, we had, I think, one or two services. And, and then what is it going to be like when we, when we have to go to three services? Well, hey, today we're at four services and over a thousand people. And come on. This is, and, 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 here, and then Pastor Jim steps in and says, you don't need to just believe for a tithe of the city. Y'all need to start saying that you're going to have a double tithe of the city, like 20%, 2,000 people. And, and I'm thinking, where are we going to park all these people? Like, <laughs> Where are they sitting? I don't know. I don't know, but it's crazy. But, but that's a part of this faith element is just believing what you can, you can begin to see God do. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 is a, is a faith chapter, and it shares the stories of men and women, uh, mainly throughout Old Testament, that walk through faith. And so that's where I want to go today. Hebrews 11, verse 4. Uh, we'll, we'll go to the 4. It says this, by an act of faith. I want you to underline that or highlight that, an act of faith. We're going to come to that at the end of this message. But by an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. Now watch this. It was what he believed, not what he what? Brought that made the difference. And I want you to hear me on that because, I mean, we're going to do the legacy offering at the end. And, you know, people are like, oh, man, I don't know if I have that much. Listen, it's not about what you bring. It's about what you believe. It's about what you believe. It, it wasn't that Cain just had the better offering. It was, it was that he gave his best and he gave his first. He gave, he gave what he had, but he gave it to the Lord. And because he believed in God, now watch this. That's what God noticed. That God noticed and God approved as righteousness. 
I want us to have a faith that God notices. Not that people notice, God notices. Because oftentimes we can do things because we want people to notice, but I'm gonna tell you right now, what people notice is usually not what grabs God's attention. What grabs God's attention is usually very different than what grabs man's attention. We do things flashy and showy to, to get the spotlight, but God goes, ah, no, 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 that, that doesn't impress me at all. When you give your best, that impresses me. When you give with faith, when you give belief, that's what impresses me. Look what the next verse says. It says in verse six, after all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. By an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. They looked all over and couldn't find him because God had taken him. Come on, how cool would that be? You don't die. You'd just be like, <laughs> So yeah, it's like Star Wars, like beep, beep, beam me up, Scott. You know, it's one of those. Watch, watch, watch why that happened. Now listen, it's never happened really since. Elijah and Enoch were the only ones we know in scripture that have, that have had that happen. Um, it says, we know on the basis of reliable testimony that before he was taken, now watch this, he what? He pleased God. I need, I need you to hear me very closely on this. You need to be a person that desires to please God more than please people. You need to be a Pearson, a Pearson. <laughs> pew, pew. And so uh, you need to be a person that desires to please God more than people. And, and, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll say it this way. As a church, we want to be a church that pleases God more than pleases people. Amen. So here, here, ready? So it means sometimes I have to preach things that you won't like. Yeah. <laughs> and there won't be a lot of amens. But I'll walk out of here and God will go. Are y'all with me? And at the end of the day, that's the only one that I want to please. And that's the only one you should want to please at the end of the day. We want to please him more than pleasing people. And some, hey, ready? Some of you are so exhausted right now because you've been trying to please people and trying to get affirmation from them when you already got it from God, but you're trying to get something from people that they can really never give you. So you're starving for it. So you're, you're, you're changing who you are and doing things that you shouldn't do because you're wanting to please people but realizing that you need to really please God because verse six says it is impossible to please God apart from faith. So faith is the thing that sets us apart in pleasing God. Now watch verse seven. Verse seven, it says this. It was, come on, let's say that like we really mean it. It was by faith. Every time you see that, underline that or circle that. You need to see that. It's all throughout scripture of Hebrews 11. But by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. Now, here we go. Underline this part. He obeyed God. Now, this is a huge part of faith, by the way. This is a huge part of faith. He obeyed God. Now, watch this part. Who warned him about the things that had never What? He obeyed God to do something that had never happened before. Oftentimes, you know that God is calling you to do something because he's stepping you into a place that maybe you've never done before. So he says, okay, Noah, I want you to build a boat. Noah's like, what's a boat? <laughs> and if you go read Genesis, Jesus, I mean, God gives him very descriptive. I mean, to the type of wood, how it's supposed to be built. I mean, everything. If you don't believe God's a God of details, just go read the Old Testament. Everything he builds has very detailed, specific instructions. And then, and then of course, if I'm, a, if I'm Noah, I'm like, okay, all right, we're going to build the boat. We built the boat. Now, can you imagine as he's building the boat, all the people in the town going, what you doing? Oh, just building a boat. What's a boat? 
<laughs> well, there's going to be a flood. What's a flood? <laughs> okay, let me back up here. And so he begins to build this massively huge thing. And, and then, of course, now the, now the question that I'm asking is, okay, now what? He's like, okay, we're going to put all the animals on the boat. Okay, how am I getting the animals? I can call a dog, maybe a goose. I don't know. Like, what else do we get? And God brings all of the animals onto the boat, Noah's zoo, and then God closes it. And, and, and it, this faith of stepping into something that had never been done before. This is what we see in this. And oftentimes when you follow God, God will ask you to do things that are crazy. But watch what the rest of this verse says. He goes into verse 8 and verse 9, and he begins to share another story. He's just doing story after story of people who've walked with faith. It was, here we go, by faith. Here we go, that Abraham, okay, there it is again, when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. Ready? Here's the, here's the kicker. He went. <laughs> what? He went without knowing where he was going. So he's like, okay, God, fine. Now you got to know where, where Abraham was. He was living in abundance. The, the Bible says that Abraham was extremely wealthy, had a, had a lot of cattle, had a, had a, had a, had a big family. And so here, first off, God's calling him to leave that. Okay, I want you to leave. And so he says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey you, God. I'm going to step out. Okay, God, where are we going? And God says, I ain't telling you. And he say, say what again? I'm not telling you. But when you go, I'm going to make you the father of nations. All right? And you're going to have a really cool church song. Kids are going to be singing it everywhere. You're going to be Father Abraham. You're going to have many sons. And, and, and here we are in this moment. Think about this. In this moment... And God doesn't tell him where to go. This is what he says. Just go. I want you to write this down. Faith begins where understanding ends. Faith begins where understanding ends. When you don't know what's next, that's when faith starts. And, and, and I'll tell you this. I think one of the reasons why God doesn't give you all of the details and all of the journey and everything that's going on and go, okay, you're going to go here and then this is what's going to happen. I mean, think about it with Joseph. He gave them the dream. You're going to be second in charge. You know, you're going to be, you're going to be you know, over all of this. He did not tell him, you're going to be abandoned by your brothers. They're going to throw you in a pit. You're going to be in a prison. Some lady's going to try to rip your clothes off. It's going to get a little crazy. Then you're going to get thrown in prison. And then, come on, how many know? He didn't, how many know? If he would have got all those, he would be like, hell no. <laughs> Come on, somebody. If you would have gotten all those details, you'd be like, heck no, this is not happening. And God does not give you details because here's the truth. If he gave you the details, you'd be like, oh, bye, Felicia. I ain't going. I ain't doing it. So this is what he does. Just go. Where? I ain't telling you. Why not? Because you'd be scared you wouldn't go. So this is what you do. Ready? <laughs> now where, God? Right. Now where, God? Left. Now where? He does not give him the full description because I think oftentimes God is way more concerned about the process than the destination. God is developing you more than he is where he wants to bring you. Now, does God want to use you? Absolutely. Does God got big plans for you? Absolutely. But he's got a process that he brings you through. If you would have known about that failed relationship, if you would have known about that hurt, if you would have known about that betrayal, if you would have known about losing that job, if you would have known about how the finances would have been tight, you would have been like, ah, no, I'm good. 
But faith begins where understanding ends. This is where faith begins in our lives. And, and, and so here's what I feel like God's been teaching me is, Josh, you don't have to know where you're going as long as you know who's taking you. Anybody with, hey, I'm just, I just need to be along for the ride with someone who's got the map. I don't have, but I don't know about y'all. I like to have the map. Are y'all with me? Like, I like, okay, uh, I will admit it. I am a control freak. I, okay, that feel, oh, feels so much better. Okay. I like to drive. I like to have the directions. But God says, no, 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 listen, there's only one pilot in this ship, and it ain't you. All right? Now, you're going to have your hands on the steering wheel, but I'm going to be on the side, and I'm going to tell you left, right, left, right, left, right. And when you don't know where to go, you just ask me. That's fine. You just ask me. But I, I want you to hear me on this. Faith will make you uncomfortable. Faith will make you uncomfortable. Let me take it another step further. If you're living a life of comfort right now, you're probably not living in faith. Because where you're uncomfortable is oftentimes where God is growing your faith. He is doing something deep inside of you. Let me put it another way. You can't be safe in faith. So there's no such thing as comfort and safety in the kingdom. Think about, go, move all your family. That ain't safe. That ain't comfortable. Think about all that you see throughout scripture. There's nothing in there that when God was calling people to higher places, was it comfortable at all? It was extremely uncomfortable. And so I, I just wrote down this. I see a church that is comfortable being uncomfortable. I see a church that is comfortable being uncomfortable. Listen, I, we want to create an environment where you're comfortable for the most uncomfortable message you're going to hear. Because how many know the gospel is extremely uncomfortable? Like, the, the gospel should challenge you. The gospel should convict you. There should be something inside of you go, I don't really like that, but I know I need that. That's because we want to create an environment where you're extremely comfortable, like, oh, man, these people are friendly. And then you hear a message, and you're like, oh, man, that's me. I need a change. How do you know change is uncomfortable? But faith is the process of God making us uncomfortable. And then verse 9 says, this, says it this way. It says, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. So Abraham eventually got to where he needed to go, and it says not only did he have the faith to go somewhere, he had the faith to stay somewhere. Now, listen to me closely. I think you need just as much faith to stay somewhere as you do need to go somewhere. And oftentimes God will call you to go, but sometimes God will call you to stay. Stay. Don't quit. Stay in the fight. Keep going. And some of you are like, man, I'm just done with this marriage. I'm ready for a new one. And God goes, no, stay. You're like, what? Because you need, you need, God is growing your faith to believe for things. Some of you want to write off people. I'm done with them. And God goes, no, stay. You need to stay in this. You need to hear the voice of God, though, because, listen, there's sometimes God says go, and there's sometimes God says stay. And you need faith for both of them. You need faith for both of them. And so I, I, I want to share three thoughts with you when it comes to faith and the faith that God is calling us in as we close out this legacy series let me give you the first one. Faith is believing before seeing. Faith is believing before seeing. You got to believe it before you see it. 
I don't know if y'all have heard of this guy. His name is Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister was a, <clears throat> was a guy that lived in England that was um, a runner. He trained uh, in, in running for the Olympics and so many different things. Um, one, of the, one of the goals that Roger Bannister had was to break what, what people said was absolutely impossible to break, which was the four-minute mile, to get a mile under four minutes. The uh, expert said it was absolutely impossible, that even if it was possible, that your body would physically break down, that there's no way that you could do it. If, if you want to try to run that, you're not going to do it, which, by the way, I'll never try to run that. And so he, he goes for this thing, and this is what experts said. Experts said the only way that this would possibly be able to be done was if it was the perfect weather conditions, if it was the perfect track, if his body was in the perfect right conditions, and if there was a ton of people around there cheering him on uh, because he needs the adrenaline of the, the, the crowd to get him to go. Well, on May 6, 1954, he showed up on a cold windy day in London with very few people around, just those that are there, and he breaks the four-minute barrier at three minutes and 59 seconds. <laughs> hey, he broke it, okay? So he broke it. Three minutes and 59 seconds. Now watch this. Ready? Here's the coolest part. 46 days later, someone breaks it again. 46 days later. And then ready? A year later, 17 people broke those records. And ready? Oh, since then, over 500 Americans have broken the four-minute mile. This is what this tells me. Ready? What they said was impossible. Just needed someone to believe it, someone to go for it, someone to do it. And when he did it and he broke the barrier, he broke it for everybody else. He broke it for everybody else. And I wonder, I wonder if there are people in your life right now that are waiting for you to break a barrier in your life because as soon as you do, they'll be able to break it in theirs because they'll see God's faithfulness in your life and say, if you can break it in yours, he can break it in mine. Come on, we are barrier breakers, people. We see a church that breaks barriers, breaks religious barriers, breaks pride barriers, breaks poverty barriers, breaks racial barriers. This is what this church does. We are barrier breakers because we serve a barrier you're breaking God. And I wonder, I just wonder that if people start seeing marriages get restored and healed and people getting delivered of drugs and people getting radically saved, if people in the community go, if that can happen to them, it can happen to me. And what happened in one person can happen to multiple people. That's the story of freedom, by the way, that happened at this church. Freedom started with 20 leaders. And now well, almost four years in, we've seen almost 600 people go through freedom. Come on, y'all getting excited? We're a couple of weeks away from freedom already again. I'm pumped. So, hey, listen, faith is believing before seeing. Let me give you number two. Faith is seeing before believing. Faith is seeing, I mean, seeing before seeing. Faith is seeing before seeing. I'm going I'm to explain this to you. What kind of filter are you looking at your life through? Because when you first got saved, you believed for the impossible. I mean, you were pulling up to Walmart going, front row spot, let's go, Jesus. And, God is good. Someone's at your work is sick. Are you coughing? Jesus' name right now, I'm believing. I mean, people getting diagnosed with cancer, you're praying that God will heal. I mean, just crazy things you're just believing for. But something happens in the course of our journey with Jesus and life experiences, we get to a place where we don't believe the impossible is possible anymore. And we settle. I guess I'm just always gonna be this way. 
I guess I'm just always going to have to fight this. You know, this is just my cross to bear. Listen, stop calling that your cross to bear. That's not your cross to bear. God wants you to live in freedom. God wants you to live in healing. God wants you to live in hope. I believe all of these things for you, but you've got to see it before you see it. So I got any Disney fans in here? Any people like Disney? Like Disney something? Listen, so my wife texted me this week. She's like, can we get Disney Plus? I'm like, yes, go for it. Okay, so we got Disney Plus at our house. So there's been, a, there's been like a, a Disney binge going on at our, our house. And so I got on it. And, and one of the things I love, I love documentaries. I love reading and watching documentaries. And so they have a, a documentary on there of Walt Disney um, called The Imagineers. If you, if you get it, go, go look at it. It's, it's absolutely amazing. It's episodes of them sharing the story of how Disney World and Disney and all that came to be. And Pastor Bubba and I were actually on the plane flying back from South Dakota yesterday. And so we're both watching. I got one ear pod in mine. He's got his and I'm holding the phone and we're watching this episode of, of, um, of Walt Disney and uh, all the stuff that it took for him to be where he was and to even start Disneyland was such a huge thing. He started Disneyland uh, because he wanted to create a place. He would go on the weekends with his daughter to like carnivals and they were just nasty. They were just, and he said, man, I just I always wanted to create a place where I could take my kids and we'd have a great time and I could spend all of their college tuition. And um, <laughs> come on somebody. <laughs> I told my boys that they're like, when are we going to Disney? I'm like, you want to go to college or Disney? I mean, you, you pick whichever one. And um, so, so he said, you know, I always wanted to create a place where people could kind of escape escape from reality, and go have fun and make memories as a family. So he created Disneyland, of course, and that went, and, and you got to go hear that story. It's crazy, all the trials and stuff that he went through just for that. And then he began to dream of Disney World, which was across the U.S. in the Everglades of Florida, where they said, you definitely never build anything there. And he buys 43,000 acres of property and begins to etch and sketch and get all of his Imagineers to create this magical place. Well, if you know the story, he dies before it starts. His brother Roy felt like, I need to continue his legacy, and I got to build this place. And so fighting with banks and fighting with investors and fighting with so many different people, he's like, we're making this happen. And so they go and they, they build Disney World in a place that they said they should never do. And on the opening day of Disney World, Roy stands up and shares, you know, a little bit of the story and dedicates the place and all that. And a guy comes up to Roy and says, man, wouldn't it be amazing if Walt Disney was here to see this? And this is what Roy says. He already did. That's why you're seeing it. Now, listen, that's Disney. We got Jesus. So come on, I see a church that reaches a city that people say is unreachable, that you should not be in. I see, I see a church of what God is doing in, in not only in our church, but through this church. Come on, how I many you know that oftentimes the vision God gives you is not just for you, it's for others, which that's legacy, by the way. That's how you know it's a vision from God, because it's not just about you, it's about others. It's about others. Are you okay with going after God's vision if maybe you may never see it? And it may be accomplished by other people down the road. I, I remember when my, when my son was, was diagnosed with uh, his lung disease, I remember the doctor saying he had six months to a year to live. I said, okay, we hear what you said. And I had, a, I had a lady call me, and she said, hey, Pastor Josh, I need to just tell you this. She said, um, um, I, I had a dream last night of Joel, and he was, he was much older, and he was playing sports. 
Now, if you know, my son has a lung disease and was, ne- was told he would never go to school, never play sports, anything like that. Um, my son is playing soccer this year. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> when we went to Colorado last week for his doctor checkup, he asked the doctor, can I play baseball? And so he's, he's going after as many sports as he can now. Um, and I remember when we got that diagnosis, I remember laying in bed with Lindsay and we're like, man, we've, we've got to do something. We've got to raise money to fight this thing. Like we can't just sit by and, and just let this happen. Like we need to let people know about this. We need to raise money to research this. And so literally laying in our bed late at night, I, I go, let's just do a color run. And she was like, <laughs> what? I said, let's just do a color run. Let's like, I think I could raise money. We could do something. It'd be awesome. It'd be fun to do. And so she's like, if you believe it, let's go for it. And so we shot this video, a promo video, like three, four months before to, to promote the race. And in the video, you know, I'm staring. I'm like, hey, y'all come October 13th. I want you to come and join us. Thousands of people will be at this race. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I get done with the shoot and I walk off and Lindsay was like, you said thousands. Now, at that time, we maybe had 100 people registered for the race. <laughs> and so she's like, you need to go probably reshoot it. I'm like, no, we ain't reshooting nothing. I'm believing that we're going to have thousands at this race. And uh, look, I want to show you a picture of the race. This was the race. So 2,342 2, people to be exact. So the largest race that had ever been in Jennings was maybe 500, 600. And um, I realized, you know what? It's not just important for us to see it before we see it. It's important for us to say it before we see it. Watch it. There was a newspaper article that they wrote on Joel, and this is what the newspaper article said. It said, parents hope for miracle as three-year-old battles rare disease. And it's funny because they put the word hope in. And Hebrews 11 verse 1 says that it is by faith that God brings hope into reality. How many of you got something right now you're hoping for and God is just looking for us to go, let's have some faith to believe that can come into reality. That can come into reality. Listen, whatever you're walking through right now, I don't know what doctors have said. I don't know what your parents have said. I don't know what people have said. I just know what God has said, and he gets the final word no matter what's going on. And if you can see it before anybody else can see it, how many know you're going to speak it, and you're going to say it, and we're going to believe it until God does it? So this is what I wrote down. Faith is not believing God can. It's believing and trusting that God will. It's believing and trusting that God will. We're going to believe and trust that God will do what only he can do. Number three, and we'll wrap it up, is faith is acting before seeing. Faith is acting before seeing. James chapter two, verse 17. Watch this, I love this. So then faith that doesn't involve action is phony. Faith that does not involve action is phony. Watch this. You can believe it all day. You can see it all day. But if you don't get off the couch, nothing's happening. Listen, I can believe I'm in shape. I can see my body in shape. (laughs) Watching Disney Plus, that ain't doing nothing. It ain't doing nothing. Faith without action is phony. This is what John Calvin says. He says, faith alone, uh, it's faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies is never alone. So listen, you can't work yourself into salvation. 
It is by faith through grace alone. It is faith in Christ and what he has done alone. But once you are saved, once you're in, once you're part of the family, faith comes with his friends. Comes with his friends. We, we, get, we, get, we go to work. We go to work. I, w- I was watching a, a, another documentary, and I don't remember what military service it was, but it was a story of these military service where they were going to have to run uh, a, a certain distance. They didn't know the distance, and they weren't going to tell them the time. They just had to run. And they would tell them when they reached it. And once they reached the destination, they would then tell them if the time was good enough or not. If it wasn't, they had to redo the test again. And so literally, they didn't know the distance and they didn't know the time. All they knew is that they just needed to run. I think that is an incredible picture of us as followers of Christ. Because listen, I don't know how long I'm gonna be on this planet. I don't know how long it's gonna be, but I am committed to run the race that is set before me with everything that is within me. I am not going to quit no matter how long it is, no matter how hard it is, no matter what I'm walking through. I'm going to continue to live by faith. Whatever comes your way, you run the race. And there are too many Christians that are sitting at the, the, the faith station, the, the gas station of faith, waiting to get filled up, wanting to just stay there and get filled up, but never want to turn the engine on. And God is telling us, listen, you have been sitting long enough. You have been filled enough. Turn the engine on. It's time to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And here's what I know, that he who waters, he himself will be watered. He who fuels others will himself be fueled. If we will go, if we will do what we do, if we will continue to believe in this. And so the title of this message is, I see a church. So I just started writing things down of what I feel God's calling us as a church as we move into this season as a church and we're coming into the Christmas season and the New Year season and it's, it's really becoming harvest time. People are searching and longing for a place. So I just begin to write these things. I see a church that is so much more than 90 minutes on a Sunday. I see a church walking in obedience to God's word and God's voice. I see a church who believes God can do the impossible. I see a church that is committed to raising and empowering and training a leadership generation and church planners and pastors who are gonna go and change the world. I see a church where marriages are restored. I see a church that's not about programs but about the presence of God. I see a church that's filled with every demographic, every race, every color, every financial status. I see a church that's built for my kids, for my grandkids, for my great grandkids. I see a church where people are continually taking steps in their spiritual journey. I see a church full of people who are growing in God, discovering that God wants to use them to make a difference. I see a church where God uses ordinary people to serve an extraordinary God to reach a city far from Christ. I see a church that never stops searching for lost people because God never stops searching for us. I see a church that is so kingdom-minded, they'll count whatever the cost, they'll pay whatever the price to see revival in their community. I see a church that realizes that none of this can happen in our own ability. Instead, we are committed to prayer and to fasting and to depend on the Holy Spirit. I see a church where Jesus is famous and God gets the glory. Jesus is famous and God gets the glory. I'm committed to building this church. This is the church that God has called us to build. It's not about buildings. Do you need buildings to do it? Yes. Do we need bigger parking lots to reach more people? Yes. But at the end of the day, we see a church of people, young and old, black and white, rich and poor, Democrat and Republican, 
whatever it may be, gathering together under the banner of the name of Jesus because he is the one who brings us all together. We are barrier breakers. We are a people who believe it before we see it. We see it before we see it. But more than anything, we do action. We're not a church that's just going to sit. We're going to do, we're going to, we're going to believe God. We're going to step out. We're going to put our faith where our heart is. We're going to put a faith where our mouth is. So this whole legacy thing has been building up to, of course, to a moment where we, we get to invest in eternity. It's, it's this moment where, where we've shared for the last couple of weeks about believing God for $250,000, 100,000 of it here in Jennings, 100,000 in Eunice to finish our kids' facility, and 50,000 in Crowley to, to get them, eventually get them in a home, get them a, a, a building that they can meet in. We have the opportunity today to be a part of this, but, but as I shared on the video two weeks ago, we are in every one church. That means we never go anywhere that everyone can't go with us. I, and I always say that to God, if we all can't go, I don't wanna go. And more than anything, if he ain't going before us, I don't wanna go. But God is calling us as a church to, to move forward in the vision of what God's calling us to do. But of course, you know, it, it does take resources to do it. It does. And as I've shared over the last couple of weeks, there's, there's zero pressure. We're just, this is what I'm asking you to do, is ask, to ask God, just to do what God asks you to do. And so I want us to do this. I want you to grab, there's, a, there's an envelope like this in the seat pockets in front of everybody. If you, if you, if you can grab one, grab one as a family, or um, if you're here as an individual, you can grab one as well. And I, I want us all to, to grab and pull this out. On the inside of this right here, you're gonna see a part that says legacy. It's up here in the top right-hand corner. Um, this is our part where we get to write in what we believe God. Now, I know some of you maybe you're like, man, it's just, Pastor Josh, it's a very tough season for us. Like, I understand. And so maybe you're like, Pastor Josh, you know what? I'll get a bonus at the end of the year or I got taxes next year. Or, hey, you know what? I'm gonna just believe for the next year I'll, I'll give to this. And that's how Lindsay and I did. We gave on this day last year and then we gave every week for, the, for this last year. I don't know how that'll work for you. Maybe, maybe you are ready. But I want you right here to, you can just write down what do you want to do. Now, if you give online, like I do, you can just write online on there. Um, and that'll, that'll let us know what, uh, where, where you're is. But I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us. Would you bow your heads across this place? Father, right now, we come to you. Holy Spirit, your word says that you speak and that you'll move on the hearts of people so God I've done my best today to cast the vision that I feel like you've called us as a church and God we're going to respond today to what you're calling us to do but God more than anything this is an opportunity for us to hear your voice so God in this moment I pray Lord that you would speak and that we would obey. God, thank you 